0: Alright, well if you don't know me, my name is Terrell. I'm the junior high pastor here and this is what we do. We have a ton of fun. We worship the Lord through a song and we sing praises to Him. And now probably the most important part, definitely the most important part of our night is we do a Bible study. We learn about who God is, how we can know this God, how we can become more like God through the study of His Word that He has given us. And so that's why each of you needs a Bible. We're going to start a new series tonight and it's all about identity. You know, like on the first day of school, you always have to introduce yourself, right? You know, introduce yourself to your new classmates, to your new teachers, and imagine this. Imagine your teacher says to you, every single person in class, you've gotta describe yourself in three words. You've only got three words. I want you to do this right now. So who's, give me some volunteers. Describe yourself Three words max, make, make good use of the three words. Three words, who's gonna go? Come on, right here. Crazy. Uh, you get three words. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Uh, crazy, uh, and uh. Okay, who's, who, who, who's got something else, right here? Music. Music. store crazy. Wait, what was the second word? Thrift store. Oh, thrift store. Yeah, music, thrift store. No, you, you ran out of words. <laughs> Music Thrift Store, that's pretty cool. I wouldn't want to go to that. Right here. Weird, artistic, and crazy. Weird, artistic, and crazy. Okay, Josh. Bad at math. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Bad at math. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's why you introduced yourself. First in class. All right, Matthew. Good at math. Good at math. <laughs> Damn, I found your tutor. Can I get a confirmation? Is this true? Oh, uh, Rosie, yeah. Yeah, the best math teacher. All right, over here. Oh, one of you. If you don't go, Lily's gonna go. Oh yeah. that's so mean. Okay, do you guys have one? No, okay. Anybody over here? Last one? Or right, let's do two. Alright, three. What? Lover of animals. Lover of animals. That's that's all that's your life, huh? Alright. Um I'm expensive. I'm expensive <laughs> Um, I'm expensive. You're done. Okay. Sammy is... man. Oh, why is Sammy getting so much hate today? All right, so, all right, that's how you would describe yourselves. You got to use, you got to make the most of your words, right? And some of you uh, did not do so. So anyways, now we're going to talk about identity, okay? All about identity for this series for the next month. We're going to figure out who we are in Christ. If you're a Christian, how do you identify? What is your identity as a Christian? What are the name tags? That's the name of our series. So clever, huh? Because on the first day of school or wherever you go, you get a name tag, right? What do you put it on your name tag? What is your name tag as a genuine Christian? So we're going to look at four identities of a Christian over the next month. And I want you to ask yourself as we go through this series, is this my true identity? Does my life, my actions, my thoughts, my desires actually reflect these Christian identities that we're gonna uh, study. If not, then maybe you ask yourself, am I really a Christian? Because these are the marks of a true Christian. These are the identities of a true Christian. And so maybe you're going through these, this series and you're studying the word with us and you're going wait, that kind of does not reflect my life. And so you need to ask yourself, maybe this is a sign that I'm not actually a Christian yet. Or uh, maybe if, if you are a Christian, then maybe this is a sign that you need to grow more in Christ. You definitely do. And you need to become more like him in these areas. And so we'll go over all that. Are you ready for the first name tag? You've got it on your paper. What is it? Christians are? Child of God. The other thing is, you got to respond, okay? i to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a ton of questions. I'm so glad the eighth graders, the old eighth graders are gone because they would never answer questions. But now we have new eighth graders, right? And I've warned them. Over and over again, each week, guys, you're going to become the new eighth graders. You got to man up. You got to grow up, you know, and they weren't really taking it serious, but maybe, maybe now. What do you think, Sawyer? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the first identity we're going to study is Christian's RA? Christian's RA? Child of God. Okay. And we're going to see this. In Ephesians chapter 1. So go over, over to your bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. What's like a clever way to remember those books? I never I didn't grow up a Christian, so Sunday school go eat uh, go eat popcorn? Oh, I'm sorry. No, just those just those uh, Okay. Go eat popcorn. All right, go eat popcorn, find Ephesians, look at your table of contents. You're welcome to look, don't be ashamed. I won't shame you. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 6. And this is what's going to explain to us some important truths about being a child of God. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6. Say sheesh when you're there. Okay, great. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. I'll read it out loud. You listen quietly. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to what? Adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Every true believer can call themselves what? A child of God. And the question is, for our study tonight, can you write this on your name tag? Can you identify this way? Are you a true child of God? When I was a kid, I used to, during the summers, go uh, to work with my dad. And my dad, anybody know what he, what he is, what he works as? Have I told you this? Not the staff. No, I haven't told you this? I don't really talk about my dad. Uh, my dad is a barber. He cuts hair. Now you're asking, okay, then why isn't your hair always fresh all the time? Because I don't like to get my hair cut. It's boring and it's too much time. Anyways, so my dad's a barber and also I was traumatized as a kid. I would get a haircut every single day and he would try new things on me. So uh, I don't like haircuts. Uh, Anyways, as a kid, During the summer, I have no school. So what do I do? I go to my dad's barbershop. He owns a barbershop. He cuts hair for a living, cuts hair all day. And so I would go there, and I would try to make the most of my time, try try to do something because it was so boring. I mean, all you do is stay in this little shop, and you got nothing to do. So I would bring my action figures, you know? You know, there's no video games, there's no... Well, I guess there's video games, but I didn't play video games. Uh, I would bring my action figures, you know, like a real kid. And I would play with those. I would bring my favorite movies. What movie would I bring? Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Let's go. Put that on the TV, on loop. All the people in the bar shop would have to watch that every time they come in during the summer. Spider Man on loop, I was obsessed. I would try to make the most of it, you know? And some other cool benefits was, you know, my dad trying to make it fun for me, trying to give me special uh, privileges, whatever, trying to make the most of it. And so, what was cool about being at the barbershop during the summer is they would sell soda in the fridge, and I would have unlimited access to what? Soda. Yeah, but what kind of soda? Dr. Pepper, let's go, unlimited, Dr. Pepper. Every single day, also unlimited snacks. What would I eat every single day? Hot Cheetos. hot Cheetos. Let's go. I would eat Hot Cheetos. I don't know if Takis were around. I would have unlimited Skittles, unlimited all these snacks, all these drinks. Maybe that was why I was a little chubby as a kid. You know, I would all throughout the summer I was bulking up. Um, and what, what else did I have? Also, what was cool about it was because my dad was the owner of the shop, I didn't have to feel uncomfortable. You know, I could walk around wherever I wanted to. I could go in the back room. I could go outside. I could go, I could be wherever I wanted. I could go up to my dad anytime I wanted to because he was my dad. I had unlimited access to my father. You know, other people, they had to wait in line. They had to wait to be called in. I can just walk in, talk, ask him a question, grab some hot Cheetos, a Dorito, Uh, uh, Dr. Pepper, all these things. I had unlimited access, right? Because he's my father. He's the owner of the shop. Unlimited access. And even to this day, I go in my occasional uh, once a year haircut and uh, I skip the line, you know, because it's my dad and I don't have to pay for it. And it's the best. Isn't that cool? Okay. Well, in the same way, if you are a child of God and we're looking at this as our identity, if you're a child of God, then you have unlimited, unrestricted, never-ending access to your heavenly Father. You know how I, in the barbershop, would have unlimited access to my dad anytime I want? I could talk to him. I can ask him a question. I can go up to him. I can enter his presence and be with him. Same is true. If you're a child of God, this is so cool that you have unlimited access with your Father. And this is important. Because oftentimes when we think of Christianity and salvation and being saved, we often think of us being saved by Christ and we're justified, right? What does this mean? We're made in right, legal standing before God. Yes? But uh, this is true. But there's much more than that. Not only are you justified, but you are adopted into God's family, you are his son or his daughter, and he is your heavenly father. And this is a sweet truth, a sweet identity that we can hold on to, that we are children of God. And so only children of God can speak with a father. Only children of God can pray to him. Only children of God have received his saving grace. Only children of God receive the blessings and the hope of God that he will always care for you, that he will always give you enough strength to get through this tough and difficult and sinful life, that he will always love you and care for you. He will provide you with sufficient love and grace for the rest of your days. And one day, all children of God will be with him and live with him in heaven forever and ever and ever. And this is only true for the child of God. And so the question again is Are you a child of God? Have you been adopted by Him? Are you able to go- call God, the creator of the universe, your father? He's not just a, the owner of a small barbershop like my dad. No, He's the owner of the entire universe. And if you're able to call Him father, then isn't that an amazing thing? To have unlimited access with this God. And so in Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6, look at it. We're going to see three realities of an adopted child of God. I want you to focus on three different realities. And number one is this. It comes out of verse 4. The child of God's father. Who is the child of God's father? And what does he do? Look at verse 4 again. Just as he... God, the father chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. Now, my parents chose to have me what about nine months before I was born. Right. If you're going through the adoption process, then you're then the parents that that usually takes about a six to 18 months. Right. Is this true? I don't know. This was online. Uh, Okay. Six to 18 months. But if you are chosen by God, the father, he has not chosen you nine months ago, six months ago, 18 months ago. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Isn't that cool? What does this mean for us? He chose you before the foundation of the world. And if you're a child of God, then you have a heavenly father who chose you get this before time even existed. And what do we need to know about God in order for this to be true? That God is, starts with the knee, everlasting synonym is eternal, right? God is eternal. He's predestined all things from eternity past. Look at Isaiah 40, verse 28 in your outline. says this, do you not know? Have you not heard the what? Everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired his understanding is inscrutable unsearchable okay look at psalm 90 verse 2 before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world even from what everlasting to everlasting come on eighth graders Step up. You are God, everlasting to everlasting. Ephesians 1, verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works what? All things. Who works? All things after the counsel of his will. Look at Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. What is this telling us about God? He is eternal, and from eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all work together, and God ordains all things, every single thing that would happen during your lifetime, throughout all of history, a history is just showing what? His story that was already planned from eternity past past and so this is what we need to understand god is eternal he predestines all thing all things and so in relation to this then he also chooses and he elects whom he's going to call what a child of god he chooses who will be adopted who will be his children and if you're a child of god then it is a father who has adopted you who has personally chosen you he knows you he loves you he cares for you he has made you his son or his daughter and that is a sweet sweet truth and he adopted us with a purpose look down at verse 4 again ephesians 1 just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world what's the purpose that we would be holy and blameless before him what does this mean god the father God created us to do what? To worship Him, to glorify Him, to be like Him. And who is God? What is God like? Does He ever sin? Yes or no? Does He ever make a mistake? Yes or no? Does He ever have a bad thought? No. Does He ever do anything wrong at all? No. He is what? It starts with an H. Holy. He's blameless. He's perfect he's sinless is this true and so god created us to be just like him to be holy perfect blameless and look at your lives right now can you answer me is this true of you no right how many of us sin okay this is good we're getting back to the basics how many of us sin every single day yes right because we're what sinners we were born sinners romans 3 23 you know it for how many All. all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god god's standard is perfection it's holiness it's it's sinlessness and what have we done we've fallen short of that immediately we've sinned against him We put our fists towards God, we turn our backs towards him, we walked away from him, and we've chosen our own way, our own sin, our own pleasures, our own desires, because they seem more pleasurable to us, and we've rejected God and gone away from him. And because of this, if God is a holy and righteous and just God, then what must he do to us? He must punish our sin, right? And what does Romans 6 23 say for the wages of sin is death and not just a physical death, but an eternal death. What does this mean for us? What's an eternal death? It is an eternity forever, an entire eternal life after this one. Where apart from God in hell. This is true. This is a sad reality of those who do not put their faith in Christ, that if you do not submit to God, if you do not follow him, if you are not forgiven of your sins, then you will and you deserve and you must go to hell. Matthew twenty-five forty-eight says, he will look to those on his left and he will say to them, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Does that sound like a place where you want to go? But does that sound like a place where we deserve? Yes. We deserve that. Because we go against a holy and righteous God. And so here we have God the Father. He has predestined all things. He has chose us. He has adopted us. And he has created us with a purpose to be like him. Holy and blameless. Verse 4 says. But the problem is we are not holy and blameless. We have fallen short of this perfect standard. And so we deserve eternal death. Do you see the problem here? So what do we need? We need a, starts with an S, savior. Savior. And that's point two, the child of God's savior. The child of God's savior. We're in this position, deserving of death, deserving of hell. We really do deserve it because we go against God. But we have a Savior who can save us from our sins. Look at verse 5. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through who? Say it out loud. What's his name? One more time. Jesus Jesus Christ is his name. Adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. God the Father has chosen us from eternity past. And God the Son is, has come down to earth as fully God, fully man. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That means he is truly God, truly man. He uh, humbles himself, comes down to earth for what? To save the very people that his Father has chosen to adopt. So what does he do? As fully God... He lives a perfect and sinless life, doesn't he? But even though he's perfect, what happens to him? He's beaten. He's mocked. He's scorned. And ultimately, he's hung on a what? Cross. And on this cross, he faces the most amount of physical pain, the most, uh, the most uh, uh, torture that you can face during this time. On a cross, he hangs there. And he willingly dies a physical death. But you know that's not all that's, that's given to him, right? What else happens to him on the cross? Your sin, my sin, deserves what? An eternal penalty. And that penalty is what? God's, so that's the W, wrath. And God, Jesus Christ, on that cross, takes all of God's wrath upon himself. For all of those whom the Father has chosen, he takes it on himself. All of your sins, past, present, and future. Every sin deserves an eternity of God's wrath being poured out on you in hell. And he takes it all on himself. Jesus Christ does this. But he does not stay dead, right? What does Romans eight thirty four says? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, he who raised from the dead. He raises again three days later, defeats death in order to give us the opportunity now as our Savior to forgive us, to cleanse us, to redeem us from all of our sins. Isn't that good news? You know what this is called? This is called grace. God shows us grace. He gives us something that we what? Do not deserve. That's what grace is giving us something we do not deserve. What do we not deserve? We do not deserve another day to live. Right now, we should be sent to an eternity of wrath. What, is, what else is grace? He gives you this opportunity right now to turn to him, to turn to Christ, and to be made new, to be forgiven of your sins. All you must do is what? Put your faith in him, give him your life, Turn away from your sins, Say, I want nothing to do with it anymore. And give your life to Christ fully. Surrender your life to him. And he will forgive you of your sins. Listen, this is the requirement in or- if you want to be a child of God. And so you must ask yourself this first question. Am I a child of God? Well, how do I become a child of God? I must be saved. I must be forgiven of my sins. And the only way to be forgiven is to give my life to Christ, to put my faith in him. And so we talk about this every week. But you need to ask yourself and be reminded of the gospel every week because what? We forget it every week that Christ died for us. He rose from the dead. And if you're not yet a Christian, if you've not yet surrendered to him, you must surrender yourself to him. The Bible says, behold, now, today, not tomorrow. Not when you grow up, not when you become a high schooler, not when you become more mature, that maybe then you'll give your life to Christ. No, now you must give your life to Christ. Why? Because it's tomorrow promised to you. Yes or no? No. You could go home today. You could go to sleep and you can never wake up again. Right. You never know when you're going to die. And so only today, right now, salvation is offered to you through Jesus Christ and you can be a child of God through Christ but you must put your faith in him and turn away from your sins that's the first step am I a child of God well have I surrendered my life to Christ he loves me he loves his own so much that he would die for me raise again I must surrender to him point number three if you have been saved by Christ You have been adopted by the Father. Then you must live according to your purpose. And that's point number three. The child of God's purpose in verse six. What is our purpose? Verse six says, we've been adopted to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. God has one main goal. You know what his goal in goal is in all things? What is it? Could someone give me the answer? What's God's goal? His glory, right? There we go, Chase. Give it up for Chase. There we go, Chase. Uh, wait, not your glory, His glory. It's back, back to the main goal. God has one main goal, and that is to bring Himself glory. Does He deserve this glory? Yes. He created every single thing. He created the entire universe. He created you and I. He is a creator of all things. He is a ruler of the universe. He's a king of all kings. He deserves every single amount, peace, moment, every single piece of glory that is ever to be offered. Does that make sense? He deserves all the glory. We deserve none of it. And so he adopts you. He makes you a child of God In accordance to his main purpose, which is for his glory. glory. He adopts you for his glory. Listen, he does not adopt you because you are the, the coolest, the most awesome, the most lovable, the cutest kid in the world. Does he adopt you for this reason? No, you're wretched, you're ugly, you're sinful, you're terrible. You do not deserve to be adopted. Nobody would ever pick you out of the litter. No, he does not adopt you for this reason. He adopts and he chooses his enemies. You and I are enemies towards God before being saved. We go against him. We sin against him. We are completely opposite of him. He's holy and blameless and perfect. And we put our fists towards God and we say, no, we want our sin. We don't want you anymore. We're his enemies. And what does God do? He chooses his very enemies, the ones who ultimately would sin against him, hang him on a cross, beat him, mock him each day with our sin. He chooses the worst of us, the sinners that go against him and he makes us children of God. This is grace. This is him showing his grace because he's given us what we do not deserve, right? And so he's putting his grace on display and in turn, he's revealing, he's displaying, he's setting up for us to give him what? Glory, right? It's all for his glory. And when we acknowledge this amazing grace from God, He gets the glory. And again, that's his entire goal for saving us. So that he gets the glory for showing his grace to wretched sinners like you and I. But that is not only God's goal. That is whose goal also. The child of God. If you're a true child of God, then all you think about, your main goal in life, your main purpose in every single thing you do is to bring God glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether then you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Every single thing you do, if you're a true child of God, your desire, your motivation, your goal is to bring God glory. And so this is another question you can ask yourself. Am I a child of God? Well, if I am, then I have been saved by Christ by putting my faith in him, turning away from my sins. And if, I, if I've been saved by Christ, then he has given me a new heart. He has regenerated me. Now I have new desires, new passions, a new goal, a new, a new purpose. And that, is, that purpose is what? To bring God glory. And my desire is to bring him glory in every single thing I do. So let me ask you. Is this your desire? At home, when you're with your parents and they ask you to do things, you have chores and, and they ask you to submit to them and to do certain things, are you bringing God glory by being obedient to them? Do you serve them? Do you love them? Do you care for them? At home with your siblings, do you beat them up? Do you mock them? Do you fight with them all the time? Does that bring God glory? Yeah. No. No. What brings him glory is to love them, to care for them, right? To be kind to them, to display the love of Christ to them. What about at school? How can you bring God glory? With your teachers. Do you listen to them? Do you respect them? With your friends, are you kind to them? Do you support them? Are you encouraging to them? Do you, do you share the love of Christ with them? At home, at school, or what about this? Do you bring God glory when you're alone, when nobody else is looking, when nobody else is around in your own thoughts? Nobody's there in your head, right? Nobody can can hear or see what you're thinking. Do you bring God glory through your thoughts and when nobody else is looking? Is this your main goal? If it is, then praise God. This is the mark of a true child of God. But if not, you must ask yourself, why is this not my desire? Why am I always trying to bring myself glory instead of God? Are you doing all things for God's glory? And we cannot do it on our own. We must depend on him, right? Depend on the spirit. The spirit working through us and we depend on him by praying, asking him for help all the time, saying I can't do it on my own, begging him for help, saying please help me and he will work through us in order to bring himself glory. Does that make sense? We're sinners. We do nothing good. We're filled with evil. So we must ask God to overcome our weaknesses to burst through our hard, hard heart and to work through us to bring him glory. Last verse for tonight, Romans eleven thirty six. 36. This is what we've seen. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. And what do we say? Amen. If you're a true child of God, then you've been chosen from God. You've been saved through christ and you have a purpose a goal to bring god glory for the rest of your days and that is exactly what we want to do to help you to lead you to this god and to make sure that you know this god and that you live for this god for the rest of your days because that's the most important thing in your life amen all right let's pray father we thank you for this time So thankful to have the new sixth graders here with us. And uh, just so fun to be able to be together. Lord, thank you for the grace that you even give us by allowing us to study your word, by allowing us to know who you are. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the incredible grace that you show through your son. We don't deserve it. We have sinned against you. We've gone against you. We went our own way. And yet you sent your son, your only son, your beloved son, to come down to earth and to die for us, to take our penalty and our punishment on our behalf. And he did take that punishment and he rose again from the dead. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here tonight who has not yet submitted to your son, who has not yet put their faith in him, that they would do so tonight, that they would not wait another day. And Lord, it's just such good news that when you save us, Not only are we made right with you, we're legally justified, we're granted entrance into your kingdom. No, we can also call you a father, our father. We were adopted into your family. We're made children of God. We have direct access to you. And this is just a sweet, sweet truth that we can call you father. So father, we praise you. We thank you. We want to do all things for your glory, for your praise in Jesus name. Amen.